0: All right, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, welcome back. Welcome to this show. It's me, Matt
1: Slick. Listen to Matt Slick live. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. And uh, today is let's see, October seventeenth. And um, for those who may or may not know, uh, all of a sudden my system, uh, computer system, doesn't want to recognize certain audio stuff. So I don't know if you guys can, can you hear me, Charlie? Can you hear me? Okay, so I'm going to work on it, uh, trying to get in. I don't know if we got in here on, um, on uh, some other stuff. Anyway, no big deal. We're working. It is weird. I don't know what's going on. Don't know why it is, but that's what it is right now. Hey, if you want to give me a call, 877 207 2276. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. And uh, if you want, you can email me. All you have to do is dial 877. 87- uh, oh, man, i got three things going on. All you got to do is just email me at um, info at karm.org, info at karm.org, and uh, just put in the subject line, radio question or radio comment. That's all you got to do. Okay, pretty easy. All right, all right, all right. I don't know what's going on with that and why that is there, but uh, sounds good. Okay, I won't worry about it. That is really strange. Just do this, and uh, that's it. Let's just jump on the phones with, oh, yeah. Let's get to... Let's close that out. Let's get to Darius. Darius, welcome.
2: You're on the air. Hi. I'm calling back to rekindle our conversation about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And And, uh, I wanted to better understand how one... What exactly blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is and how... um, And if it's committed with words or if it's an act of the heart and... I want to better yeah, apply it to a, myself. It's
1: an act of the heart, um, and so, uh, okay, so here we go. You see, the thing is, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, in Matthew 12, 22-32, it's when the Pharisees, the Jews, were saying specifically that Jesus was performing all his good works and everything by the power of the devil. In actuality, he was doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, because when he was baptized, he was made under the law, he was baptized, and, he, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and that's when the miracle started. So it looks like he was doing everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. So
2: okay. can
1: a, Christ, can a Christian commit it? No, a Christian can't, uh, but, uh, because it would mean he'd lose his salvation. But we can't lose our salvation. So... It's a difficult thing. There's th- different theologians who discuss it and uh, different commentaries on it. Uh, can someone commit it today? That's that's a debatable issue. So, if you, in particular, are seeking the Lord and you feel convicted about sin, that's the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit bears witness of Christ and the truth. Okay, John fourteen twenty six, John fifteen twenty six. And he world of sin, Romans 14 talks about, or Romans 16, I mean, uh, John 16. Right? So he he convicts of sin. He's not going to be doing this to someone who has committed that sin because, well, you would assume he wouldn't, because such a person can't be redeemed. There's no way to be redeemed. So okay. all we can say is, uh, no, it doesn't make sense to say that you, know, you would have committed it because... You, uh, you are, um, you're concerned about it, all right? And that's just not okay. a sign of someone who's committed it, okay?
2: So, I also was reading Matthew, uh, I, it's specifically, I, I was trying to understand why it's not, because in Matthew, here, let me find it. Mm-hmm. Uh. 12, uh, yeah, I think it's Matthew 12, where mm-hmm. it, it he says specifically, uh, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age... In this age. So I was wondering, I, I fear that I might have in the past, like, out of anger, mm-hmm. I would have said something. I I might have in the past, like, attributed the works of the Holy Spirit to, to even out of anger...
1: Well, fear is uh, it. Well, then why are you so concerned? Okay. Why are, you, are you What's, what's the concern because, for, you know?
2: It's Yeah, it scared me that I'd be unforgivable in the eyes of God and that's... it would have been something I would have done. I ah, oh, man. So that wouldn't have been blasphemy against the Holy Spirit then for me to have well, spoken those words? I'm saying no, I'm saying that if you had done
1: it, why then are you concerned? Because if it is, it's an unforgivable thing. Why would the Holy Spirit be working on you to point you to Christ? Why is it you have the desire to serve Christ? Because you mentioned it yesterday. And you're not going to have that desire if uh, if the Holy Spirit's not working on you. See, the natural man, the unbeliever, cannot receive the things of God for foolishness to him. First Corinthians 2.14. Okay. The natural man, the, the unbeliever. But a regenerate person believes in the Trinity, the deity of Christ, that He died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, and trusts in Him. So, okay. if you've done that and, and you believe that, you're in. That that's it. Okay. Okay.
2: Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So so then so it's it's okay. it's someone who would say that would the thing that they would just live by by the rest of their life. Then is what I'm getting here. Uh, you broke up with us a little bit. Say it again. So, somebody who would have would say that. Say, if I were to have said that, and then never turned to Christ, that would that have been blasphemy against oh. the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, it have been evidence that something like that occurred, but uh, it may be that uh, your God's not granted you that repentance and granted you the faith. But here is another point: is that in Philippians one twenty nine it says, uh, uh, "It's been uh, God is one who grants that you believe; He grants it to you." It's a aorist active, active uh, passive, which means or aorist active uh, or passive indicative. Sorry, which means past tense. You receive the action; and it's a fact. He is the one who grants that you have faith in him, and that faith is in Christ. John 6:29. So, from Philippians one twenty-nine, God grants that you have faith; He grants that you believe. Philippians. Uh, Philippians one twenty nine and then John 6.29 again uh, Jesus says this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent so let me ask you do you believe that Jesus is God in plush? Absolutely Okay did he die on the cross rise from the dead? Absolutely Okay if that's the case then that means that God has granted you that faith to trust in Christ how then could you have committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Okay it's not possible.
2: Wow! Uh, you so much you break it up
1: a little bit there, um, but here's the thing, you know, uh, is that you feel conviction of sin, and that's a very good thing. And you know, you're worried. That's a that's a good thing. Atheists don't worry about that. Blasphemers who don't care. Don't worry about it. But you do. And so you have to realize that God has granted you to come to Christ. That's John 6.65. Jesus says, You can't come to me unless it's granted to you from the Father. God grants that you have faith and that faith is in Christ. Why would He do that if you had committed an unforgivable sin? It wouldn't make any sense at all. Okay?
2: So you're in okay okay thank you so much can you hear me still my phone is yeah I can tell a lot
1: but okay. I want to talk to you, just a little bit more okay because this is a serious thing and emotional turmoil like that can leave you hurting and can leave you with residual effects and yeah it's
2: something that's been ahead. on my mind for the last uh, last couple month or two really it's a reoccurring uh, Reoccurring thought. Good. I'm glad it is. Yeah. But you know why I'm glad it is? Uh, yeah. it, no, it's I'm that, it is? Uh, not up
1: here. Well, I'm glad it is because it means you're alive in Christ. Because you're concerned about your soul and your relationship with God. That's why I'm glad. Okay. I'm not glad you're suffering, but I'm glad that you're suffering. You know? Uh, okay. Because it's a sign of. I understand. Of I really appreciate this, thank you. right. now your obligation now is to study the Word and praise your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Go to church, read, study, and rest in Him. Rest in Him. You can't be saved like you are if you committed that sin. You believe the things that only the Spirit can work in you to believe. All right? Okay. All right. I think we lost him. All right. All right. All right. Let's get on the air with Thomas from Iowa. Hey, Thomas, welcome. You're on the air.
3: Hi there. How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing fantastic. I want to tell you a little about my religious background. I grew up Catholic. Okay.
1: I'm sorry to hear that.
3: And I became a recent <laughs> and then I became a recent convert to the Mormon church two years ago. I've been a member for two years. Okay. And and my my question for you is is what criteria does God set when he judges people to decide if they send them deep to heaven? The eternal kingdom or to hell
1: well um, one of the criteria is found in the Ten Commandments all right Exodus 20 and he says uh, you shall not He says, you shall have no other gods before me Exodus 20 verse 3 no other gods before me so the God of the Bible is eternal the God of Mormonism is not the God of the Bible is Never was a man on another planet, another world. The God of Mormonism was. The God of the Bible is a trinity. The God of Mormonism is not a trinity, but three separate gods. And I can go on. So Mormonism teaches a false god, and because you have broken that commandment of God, and and as a Mormon, if you believe Mormon theology, I don't know what you believe, but if you believe Mormon theology, then you will be damned if you were to die right now.
2: okay
3: I don't believe everything of the faith there's a few things that I kind of question like what So um, well I don't b- really believe like if you you know the tithing for example that okay. well, 10 percent of your income
1: but that's not that's the one issue of the here. things see what Mormonism teaches is that God used to be a man in another world. And he became a God by following the laws and the ordinances of that God from that world. And then he brought one of his wives with him to this world and created this world. And he has a body of flesh and bones, as she does too, and they produce offspring in the, pre- in the, in the pre-existence. And that when you're born, you, uh, you go into your into the bodies, you pre-exist and then you have spirits and you go into the body. And then you have the potential of becoming a God. This is cult theology. It's not Christian. It's it's ungodly, and all who believe it and die in it will go to hell. Now, hold on. we got to break, okay? we got to get through this, okay? So please hold on. Okay. Hey, f- hey folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We'll get back to Thomas as soon as the producer reactivates him so I can hit yes on him. They're going to do that. There we go. Let's get back on. Thomas, welcome, buddy. You're back on, okay? Okay. All right. So... Do you understand what I'm saying about Mormonism? It's not Christian? It's a cult? False religion?
3: Yes. I have another question as well. So people of different faiths believe in different things, you know, but if people come to God, and let's say they've done evil things in the past, but they still accepted Christ years afterwards, would they still have to pay for all the evil things that they've done, or would God just abolish all the, the evil that they've done.
1: The Bible says that Jesus bore our sin in his body on the cross. Okay, 1 Peter 2.24. Sin is breaking the law of God. 1 John three four. Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our sins. In uh, Luke 11.4 and in the parallel Matthew 6.12 he said, Forgive us our debts. So debt, Philema in Greek. Jesus equates sin with legal debt legal debts could be transferred. They're transferred to Christ. In Colossians 2.14 it says that Jesus canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees which was also to us. He took it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. So Jesus is the one who has taken all of our sins away. You don't have to pay for them. Jesus did that. The cults always teach that you have to cooperate with God so that your faith in Jesus and something else you do. Now in Mormonism they don't have a true God. Have a false God, a false Christ, and a false gospel. And so Catholicism has a true God, a true Christ, but a false gospel. So they're, they're lost, too. And the Bible talks about people adding works and having false gods. And it says it condemns those who do. And flat out, it does. This is why doctrine is so incredibly important. So Mormonism was started by Joseph Smith, and he was a con man. He was in, involved in the occult before he uh, started this thing. And, and there's a, an account of how it started when he was drunk. He told uh, somebody how it was started. And uh, it's in the book. E.W. Howe uh, produced it, uh, wrote the book, uh, Mormonism Unveiled, written in 1834. And he uh, heard it. Uh, the witness uh, gave affidavit of what Joseph Smith said. He was a con man. Okay, and this thing just exploded because in that area at the time, there was already rumors floating around about buried treasure, buried tablets, and things like that. And so he just capitalized on it. So that's all that happened. But the Mormon church doesn't tell you that kind of stuff. What it wants to do is use Christian terms with non-Christian definitions. So if you, if you go to a Mormon, if I go to a Mormon and say, hey, believe in the Trinity? And I'm thinking one God and three distinct simultaneous co-eternal persons. Not three gods, but they're thinking three gods. Do you believe in salvation by grace? What they're thinking is that the grace of God works in you and through you for resurrection, and through God's grace you can earn your salvation. You know, 2 Nephi 25-23 and uh, Moroni 10-32. So these are, this is what Mormonism teaches. It is not Christian. It is not Christian. It's a false religion started by an occultist. It is a false religion. It does not teach the true God, does not teach the true Christ, does not teach the true gospel. And all who die believing official Mormon theology are eternally damned. This is serious stuff. So you need to not go to the Mormon church. You need to repent of it. You need to come to Christ. The Bible teaches only one God in all places, all time. Isaiah 43, 10, 44, 6, 44, 8, 5. God doesn't even know of any other gods. He doesn't even know of any. He's it. He doesn't increase in knowledge as Mormonism says that their God does. In Mormonism, God is finite. And he's increasing in wisdom and knowledge and power. Finite godism, finite theism is the category it fits under. And so the God of Mormonism is is from another world. And so technically, Mormons are worshiping worshiping an alien. An alien is a life form from another world. So, another pretty much,
3: so their religion was pretty much founded on a drunk?
1: No, he was a con man. On the what Joseph happened,
3: Smith? Oh con man. man. Joseph
1: he was a con man, yes he was. And so the Joseph Smith family was known to be involved in varying endeavors to try and make ends meet, and what they would do was money digging. And Joseph Smith would get a bunch of people together, and it, they, they pull them pull pool excuse me, pull their money together, by a goat or a lamb or whatever it would be from a farmer, and then they would slit. They went in the forest. They would slit the throat of this animal, and wherever it went and died is where the buried treasure is supposed to be. And so his fee was that animal. That's how he fed his family. So it's just an occult practice. And the what he said was that the spirits that guarded the treasure would move the, the treasure if anybody in that group doubted what they were doing. So the animal died, and they would start digging where the animal fell. It's all superstition. It's all well-documented that, that what, he, what he did and his family did. And so uh, when they you know, go down six feet, whatever it was, they couldn't find any treasure. Well, he'd say, who, who doubted? Someone always raised their hand. I doubted. Well, there you go. So it's called non-falsifiability in logic. And so there's no way to prove that this is true. All right. So one day, uh, what happened, Joseph Smith said this, and it's in the book, E.W. Howe's book, E, the letter E, letter W, then how, H O W E. He wrote the book, Mormonism Unveiled. But the word unveiled is spelled from the 1830s style. It's V A uh, I L, I think it is. And I have a copy of it here someplace. And I've gone through the book. It's a reprint. And so it was printed in 1834. And it's a com- compilation of the sworn affidavits uh, between before judges and magistrates, ministers, people who knew the Joseph Smith family, they swore under oath what they were like, what the family was like, and they wouldn't trust them. So one man said that what happened was there was an, a storm, that Joseph Smith said this to him while he was drunk, and that uh, Joseph Smith would, had come home after he was spending the night at some friend's house, he was coming home, uh, and went through the forest and took a shortcut and found some some rain uh, sand that the rain the previous night had purified but through the you know by some roots, you know, just kind of purified it. The rain rainwater did. So he he took it and he put it in his shirt uh, where the belly is and wrapped it up because he could carry it that way. Thought maybe he could use it in some of the the things, the schemes he was in. And he went home and uh, went to his room and, and his sister said, "What's that?" And he said, "The golden plates." He just said it. And he said that she he was surprised she believed him. So she started telling people. Hey, he's got the golden plate. So he had to come up with something. So people wanted to hear, because it wasn't just new that this idea of the golden plate, suddenly Joseph Smith came up with it. It was already known and believed in that area that, I think it was Captain Kidd had buried some treasure and some other organization, uh, ancient culture, had buried golden plates. So the people were already primed. So people started coming over. Well, what's he going to do? Well, what he did was he probably put some bricks or something in, in this uh, this towel. In a towel of case, of a pillowcase of some sort. And then he wouldn't let them look at it because he said, Well, you can't look at it because the spirits that guard it said, You know, only I can see it. Oh, okay. So they lifted it up. Oh, see? Now, in the Book of Mormon, the eyewitnesses said they saw the, the, the Book of Mormon. They did not read it because it says they saw it through the eye of faith. It doesn't say that they saw the place. Plus, uh, Emma Smith was able to lift these things up with one arm and move them. If there were golden plates, she couldn't do that. They had to weigh a couple, 300 pounds. There's all kinds of problems. He was a con man, and the Mormon church has been polishing its false history for a long time. Even the Mountain Meadows Massacre, which if you hold on, I'll tell you what happened on 9-11. I think it was 1857. We'll be right back after this break.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, but welcome back to the bottom of the hour. Hey, I will not be live
1: on Thursday. Better take a friend out to a doctor's appointment. He suffered a head injury a while back and can't drive very far. So it's a three-and-a-half-hour trip, and i got to take him up and back, and uh, I'm going to miss that day on Thursday. No big deal. A uh, poor guy will be locked in a car with me at high speed. Pray for for that guy. All right. Thomas, you still there? Yes. So you're the guy I was talking to just now, right, about Mormonism, right?
0: Correct. Okay.
1: All right. So, look, Mormonism is not Christian. I'm just telling you, it is not. Okay? It is not. It's, uh, as Laura typed in in the text, chat. they've committed identity theft. What they've done is stolen the doctrine of the Trinity, redefined it. Stolen the doctrine of Christ, redefined it. Stolen the doctrine of salvation, redefined it. They've stolen the identity of someone else, redefined who God is. If you go look on, on Christian websites, is Mormonism a cult? Is it Christian? You'll find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. It's, it's false. And the reason is because it teaches a false god, false Christ, false gospel. Okay. Even though they say they believe in the same Jesus of the Bible. No, they do not. Okay, they don't. I can prove it from scripture, but uh, then they say the Bible is not trustworthy, you know. Uh, the eighth article of the Mormon Church says the Bible's correct insofar as it's correctly translated. So just like Satan, did God really say don't eat of the tree when he caused Eve to doubt the word of God? So that's what the the Mormons do. As though God can't preserve his word. So people come along and say, oh, there was an apostasy. We are the restoration. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science says that. Islam says it. You know, it's just the same old old thing. Okay? All All right?
3: Okay. I got one more question for you. All right. So people of different faiths, so if I switched my faith and I become... You know, following the Bible and everything, and I do everything good. When God judges me, would he look at my past life and say, okay, you used to believe this, then you switched to this. With my good actions, would he judge me on that? Or just judge me on my past life, even though I broke a few commandments?
1: He doesn't judge you for salvation on your works. They don't have any bearing on your salvation. Okay. What saves you is your faith in Christ. Your works can't help. It can't save you. In Mormonism, Second Nephi twenty-five 23, you're saved by grace through faith after all you can do. Marona ten thirty-two. you know, if you deny yourself of all ungodliness, then is God's grace sufficient for you. D&C 82-7 says that uh, you're not to sin anymore, but if you sin again, the former sins come back upon you. It's a works-righteousness system. In fact, uh, I often quote the Book of Mormon to Catholics. Because they teach in paragraph 2068 that you obtain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. Jehovah's Witnesses teach, and I think it's uh, February 15th, 1983, page 12. They say that the to be saved from your sins, you have to keep the commandments of God. All cults teach you got to save keep, keep commandments or to be saved. No, you don't. i not saying it's okay not to keep them, but we don't keep them to get saved. We keep them because we're saved. God doesn't judge us for salvation based on our works. He judges us for reward based on our works. But our salvation, being forgiven of all of our sins, is based on our faith in what Christ did. All the devil has to do is get someone to believe in a false God, and false Christ, false gospel, and it's easy to do because they don't study the Bible. They don't believe what the Bible says. You know? Come on. God from another planet? That's what Mormonism teaches. That all these worlds out there. There's other planets out there. So Mormons... They serve an, uh, an alien. That's what an alien is. It's a it's an ex- it's a being from another planet, and so that alien from another planet came to this world, made this world, and so they serve the the, the alien god and its mate. I mean, that's what it is. That's what Mormonism teaches.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it like that.
1: Yeah, you should. Now, are you in Utah? No, you're in Iowa, right?
3: Oh, I'm in Iowa. I, um, I had the missionaries come to my house and they sp- spoke a the few lessons. I, I haven't been to Utah. Uh, I think they're mm-hmm. out at Salt Lake City or Provo, one of the two.
1: Right. Well, the missionaries don't know hardly anything. And um, I've helped many missionaries leave the Mormon Church. And it's just by showing facts on the Book of Mormon, how many times it's been altered. Showing what the scriptures really teach. So look, what you need to do is read the Bible. You need to read the Word of God and see if Mormonism is in there. I mean, here's a question. In, uh, I think it's Matthew 27, 51, or is it 52? Let me check. Okay. And uh, uh, let's see, 51, Yep. Yeah. And when Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So the in the temple was the holy place and then there was the holy of holies and between the holy place and the holy of holies was the veil about four inches thick and the high priest once a year would go around that veil and offer blood sacrifice shed blood on the mercy seat in the holy of holies when Jesus was crucified that veil was torn in half from top to bottom it's super thick I mean, no, no man can do it. No ten men can do it. It was torn in two. The Jews actually put it back. They, they sewed it back together. Now, here's a question. God destroyed that veil. Why is it in the Mormon temples they put it back? Just like the Jews did. The Jews who crucified Christ, who didn't understand who he really was. They put the veil back in place, just like the Mormons do. And they have it in their temples. And, we, they, and they have many temples. The Bible said there's only one temple. That's where the presence of God was. And when Christ is crucified, the veil was destroyed, signifying no more need for temple. The Mormon church puts the veil back, shaking hands with secret handshakes and secret hugs with a, a proxy on the other side of the veil in order to hopefully learn what you need to do in order to become a god of your own planet. It's a cult. It's not Christian. It's not Christian. And if there's Mormons, listen to me. I I just formally, I'll just offer a... a, I will drive down to Salt Lake City and we'll have a formal debate on the validity of Mormonism out of the Book of Mormon and out of the Bible. Okay? And we'll just see. A a formal, polite challenge. Let's see. But they don't want to do that. Okay? because, well, they don't want to lose an argument based on Scripture. And the Book of Mormon doesn't even contain (laughs) Mormonism. So, all right. Okay, buddy? All right?
3: All right. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I'm actually a new listener. A friend told me about you. I've been listening a few days, and I've really learned a lot from you. I loved yesterday's podcast as well. Well,
1: good. Praise God, man. Keep listening. You're going to learn a lot of stuff, and a lot of it you won't agree with at first. But I, I like to quote Scripture and say, this is where it is in the Bible. You always go check what I say against Scripture. Always. You can't trust a guy named Slick, okay? Always trust what the Word says. Okay. All right, man. And you said that book is E.W.
3: Howe?
1: The, the book is called Mormonism Unveiled. The author's E.W. Howe, H-O-W-E, Mormonism Unveiled. Okay. All right.
3: All right. Thank you, Mr. Slick.
1: All right. Call back again sometime. All right, man. God bless. All right. Let's get over to Shibu, I guess, from Virginia. Welcome. You're on the air.
2: Hey, Mr. Slick. How are you? Right. Good. Fine. Thank you. So, what do you got? Where in the scripture is that uh, Jesus came? to the word of the elect scripture does not state that jesus came to the elect It's from where do you get that idea jesus well came.
1: he 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 uh, the bible says jesus uh, jesus said in in matthew 15:24 he says that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel that's what it says he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of israel matthew 15:24 okay
2: what about right. the Gentiles?
1: He what was not sent the to the Gentiles. Okay, he was not sent to the Gentiles. He was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said. But because the Jews rejected the Messiah and broke the covenant, then we the Gentiles were grafted in. But he initially was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said, Matthew 15, 24. But John three
2: sixteen. 16... God so loved the world he said, his only begotten son. Whoever right. believes in style, not very so he yeah. loved the whole world, sent it to the whole world.
1: Yeah, not just a Jewish nation. Because the Jews understood that the Messiah was going to come only for the Jewish nation. Jesus says, Matthew fifteen, twenty-four, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said. So when they rejected the Messiah, the whole world, all the nation groups of peoples, were then included? Hold on, we got to correct a little bit of something on John 3:16 after the break. So hold on, buddy. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned.
0: It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to the show. Just want to give a shout out to Ernie. Hey Ernie, thanks for the five dollar rant. Uh, on on uh, stream of um, no, oh man. It's Rumble. <laughs> wow. Man, I'm getting old. And uh <gasps> Also, thanks for reminding me about the Br- Bridge Paul Tour. Uh, you know, in April, we're going to uh, do the footsteps of Paul. We're, we're going to be going to Turkey. I've been to Turkey. It's a great trip. It really is. You see the seven churches of Revelation. And um, uh, then we go, we're going to fly to Greece. I've never been there. We're going to go to Athens. Yes. And then we go to, to uh, Rome in um, in Italy. Oh, man, a 19-day trip. It's expensive, though. This was an expensive one. And if you're interested in, in checking it out, we have a couple, three open spots, I think. Uh, just go to uh, bridgepaultour.com. Bridge, Paul, tour, all one word. Let's get back on with uh, Shibu. Are you there? you still there? Yes, Mr. Okay. So... When it says the word "world," God's love the world. It doesn't mean every individual. People just assume that's what it means. The context means not just the the uh, the nation of Israel, but all the world. Okay. And then when it says uh, John, 3, you know, John three sixteen, whoever would believe. It doesn't say that in the Greek. What it says in the Greek is "pas yeah. hapas all the believing one. It doesn't say Beyond "hos." One, two, no, it doesn't say "hos," all, which is. Well, hold on, it doesn't. The Greek word for whoever is "hos." And it's a rough breathing mark of Omega Sigma, and it's not there. So, but we don't talk like that. We don't say all the believing one. What it literally says in the Greek is, "God so loved the world, not just Israel." Okay, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that all the believing one would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what it says. Okay. Oh,
2: uh, John one twenty nine. Behold yes. the Lamb of God. Yeah, okay, so
1: let me ask you, did uh, the people who are damned to hell, did Jesus take away their sin?
0: No. Yeah. No.
1: So then, if you say the word world, my, if it means every individual, then it can't, because he didn't take the sin away from those who were damned, did he? So the word world there cannot mean every individual. So what does it mean? What's the word world mean there?
2: Oh, that is your philosophy. If anyone hears my saying
1: well, that's me. not Excuse you. me, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, I just use logic with you. The Bible says let us reason together in in Isaiah one eighteen. Okay? You quoted a verse and I asked you about the verse, and then you ignore it and you go to something else. If you cannot face the word of God in your theology, it doesn't fit. And you just go someplace else, there's something wrong with your theology. I have no problem with John one i I'm just showing you. If he says it takes away the sin of the world, if you think the word world means every individual, then he took the sin away of every individual. But you already admitted he couldn't have taken it away or did not take it away of those who are damned. So then what does the word world mean? It's not philosophy. It's called Thinking. Okay, so who do you, who's what's the word world mean there?
2: Now that is your uh, Calvinistic way of thinking
1: uh, at Shibu. all. Shibu, Shibu, look, you need to stop thinking that. like that. You need to start thinking Speak. biblically. Did Jesus take away the sin of every individual who ever lived? Did he do that?
0: Yes, Did he sir. do that?
1: He did, so he took the sin away of every individual who ever lived, then, how could anybody go to hell if they have no sin
3: yes
2: sir, yeah. he he didn't die for everyone, he died for okay. his people, I agree the, that, but the, then I, you're a Calvinist, then you're a Calvinist because that's what Calvinism teaches No.
1: he did yes it is
2: for me. Calvinist Jesus, died. Just died you him. just
1: said he died for the ones who believe in him. That's what Calvinism teaches. He didn't die for those who don't believe in him.
2: Who is Calvin? Who is Calvin? We don't know who is Calvin. <laughs> you brought him up. I didn't bring him up. You
1: brought him up. I'm just saying that's what that's what Calvinism teaches. You're affirming Calvinism.
0: That's,
2: that's, teaching. that's what, what it is. What? It's not how do you justify that your world?
1: What what verse? You broke up. What verse? John 4.42. John 4.42. And they were saying to this woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves and know that uh, this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Yeah, not just of Israel, of all the nation groups, the whole world. He's not the Savior of the people who were in hell. He didn't save them. Come on. Think. Think about what you're saying. Think about it. Don't just do the knee-jerk reaction against Calvinism because you don't understand what it is, and then you affirm half of what it teaches. And you think John 4.42 is going to stump a Calvinist, the savior of the world, means every individual, of course, it doesn't mean every individual. You can go to first uh, First Samuel 3.14, where God says... And he swore to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Jesus did not bear their sin. Look, we've got to get going here because we've got of colors waiting, but I, I get so irritated with people who think they know what Calvinism teaches. they do not. What? they think they got these proofs in Scripture and they don't know what they're talking about, and I get tired of it study the other position and, and know what they teach and then come back with an intelligent response. Okay? Alright. we got to move on. Alright. So we're going to get to uh, let's see the next one is Tim. So if the producer could activate Tim so I can get going with him because uh, there we go. Alright. Hey Tim, welcome. You're on the air. Thanks for waiting so long.
4: And they don't know what they're talking about.
1: Tim! Tim, he's going to hear it come up to here, here after about a 10-second delay. Tim? Tim, Tim? Are you there? Because he wants to talk about Hank Hanegraaff joining the Orthodox Church. Tim? Man. Wow. We'll give him another five seconds. If not, we'll hang up. Because maybe he's away. Okay,
0: three.
1: Oh, boy, it was close. All right, man, you're on the air, buddy. Okay what's your question
4: okay is that me tim okay um i just wanted to know what you thought of hank Hanegraaff and his conversion to the orthodox church
1: he just showed that he was not a true believer to begin with and that he went into a false well, religion
4: yeah but how could he do that i mean the bible answer man yeah. i mean i'm not arguing with you i'm just saying it, it kind of is stunning to see that it he is. did that
1: yeah, I'd like to have a uh, sit-down with him and, and discuss these things, if he knows what... Does soteriori- he ever do that? I'm sorry, what? I mean, not
4: with you. Has he ever done... Has he ever engaged in a... Uh, oh, okay, okay.
1: I don't know. Anyway,
4: that was my question. Thanks, Matt. Get on to someone else. I appreciate you. Yeah.
1: yeah. He He's up now apostate, and uh, this network used to have him on on a regular basis. When he uh, went to EO, they dropped him, and then they, uh, they contacted me and said, hey, you want to be on? I said, yes. And here we are. Okay. Oh, cool. So, Okay. yeah. So uh, okay. I'm just saying that uh, Eastern Orthodoxy is not Christian. Okay. It believes in the Trinity, the deity yeah. of Christ, the resurrection. But it, it teaches that through the energies of God, which is like a, the graces of God, that's through right. the energies into participation over, over many, many, many years, you become more Christ-like and obtain justification through that process. So it, it denies right. the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us by faith. So it's, it's a false teaching. I, I,
4: I spent I spent, uh, gosh, about ten or twelve years in the Orthodox Church. I even lived in Orthodox monasteries for about wow. seven years, and finally realized, wait a minute, this conflicts too much with with what I believe is in Scripture, and I I had to leave. It was it was kind of a crisis, but. Wow. Uh, do you have yeah. their books and their God. stuff? Thank God. Yeah. Pardon? Do
1: you have their books and stuff? Because they're hard to get their stuff to, to know exactly what they believe. They don't have a central system.
4: It's oh, yeah. Like I read as much as I read. I read for constantly, for 10 years, every, every, I read. That's all I did. I lived in an Orthodox community, and then I lived in Orthodox monasteries, both here and in Greece and in England. Yeah. Um. I was totally invested and finally I just hit the wall and it conflicted with what I believed about the Bible and about about the Lord. The Lord had mercy on me, that's how I would say it.
1: Well, as long as you believe in justification by faith alone in Christ alone, through His work alone and not through a process. Right,
4: right, right. Well, God has been merciful, I'll put it that way. Yeah,
1: He has. Okay, anyway, thank you, Matt. Sure, man, no problem. God bless. Yeah. All right. Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, we uh, don't have anybody else waiting, but 877-207-2276. You know, since we we talked about Eastern Orthodoxy, I know a lot of people might think I'm really judgmental. No, I'm not. I'm not judgmental at all. It's just... I just inform people. This is what the Bible says. This is what they teach. Okay? It's wrong. So, uh, this is from, uh, a basic guide to Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, by Tibbs. Uh, Orthodox Christians will not state that they have been saved for two important reasons. The first reason is that only God can declare who is saved. Orthodox Christians indeed hope to be saved and even work towards salvation. Okay. And, uh, This is from OrthodoxBridge.com. It says this, uh, Justification is accomplished at baptism, the point where a person is granted forgiveness of sins and placed in a right relationship with God, and it is maintained through a life of obedience to God and confession of sins. Now, that's blasphemy. So look, think about the arrogance of that, okay? That a person will go along and, and believe that they maintain their place of forgiveness and their stature with God and everything by their goodness. What arrogance. What arrogance. Let me read this again. Justifications accomplished at baptism. Notice at baptism, not when you believe, because the Bible says, having therefore been justified by faith, Romans 5 1. No, they take away the gospel. And They put in their false doctrine. Justification is accomplished at baptism, the point where a person is granted forgiveness of sins. No, you're granted forgiveness of sins by faith. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Romans 3:28. Romans 4:5 says, "To the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness." That's what the Bible says. These false teachers, these, these cultists are doing this in the name of God. They're teaching a false gospel. let me read it again justifications accomplished at baptism the point where a person is granted forgiveness of sins and placed in right relationship with God and it is maintained through a life of obedience to God and confession of sins oh boy those guys are so great they're so wonderful they can keep their salvation and their forgiveness of sins by their goodness they maintain it through their effort pat yourself on the back wow take a bow Oh, arrogant fools who teach that the blood of Christ is not sufficient and that the faith that God grants to us is not sufficient in and of itself to grant us and to save us from our sins. The false gospel of Eastern Orthodoxy, the false gospel of Roman Catholicism, the false gospel of Mormonism, the false gospel of Jehovah's Witnesses, the false gospel of Islam, the false gospel of Eastern Orthodoxy, all these false gospels and others are out there alive and well. The Luz del Mundo is another one. False gospels abound everywhere. Church of Christ, baptism's necessary for salvation. False gospels. Because they want to say that through their ceremonies, their rituals, their sincerity, their, for, their sacraments, they obtain and maintain their salvation with God. Arrogant fools who walk down the path to damnation because they deny the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. They deny the sufficiency of the faith that God grants to us in Him. May the Lord have mercy on their souls. we we'll be back tomorrow by God's grace. And uh, got a question?
3: Call me then. Have a good evening. God bless.
0: Another program powered by the Truth Network.